0: Welcome to episode 20, Live a Larger Life podcast. I'm James Fitzgerald. I think that's a proper introduction, right? Um, I think I screwed up the... I put the intro and the outro behind the podcast the last time. This is what happens when I'm left to my own devices. Um, and so from here forward, that'll be the intro. Because I keep thinking, into... I mean, you probably... Me take a second here. Yeah, there's probably no reason to have a solid intro. I mean, it just it has to be, it's probably, um, just dressing, right? It's probably just to package it. I get that. But I would assume if, uh, you're coming to listen, not follow, um, and you're at 1.5 times, right? Or 2.0, then, uh, why have the music at the front end? <clears throat> Anyhow, I have a, uh, a number of things actually, or the past couple of days that came up that I wanted to put into somewhat of a conversation. Uh, one had to do with uh, the logic around veganism. Veganism. Uh, one had to do with uh, uh, sport, sport expression. Mm. Another had to do with uh, A recent podcast I listened to with Ezra Klein and Dan Savage on mating and sex. And so I'm not sure if I can punch it all together. So instead, uh, just yesterday, uh, January, it's January 10th, 2023. uh, Just in case, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it to everyone here, but uh, others, in case you get mixed up in... um, the year, you know how it takes us a couple of months to get used to writing twenty-two at the end. Just think of Michael Jordan. This is the year of Michael Jordan, and even if you don't like that idea, um, that'll make you remember when you get to stamping your name or uh, putting down the John Henry. And there's a date to follow. You will remember that. Um, and uh, shame on you if you don't know why it's the year of Michael Jordan. So it's January tenth, two thousand twenty-three. And uh, yesterday, or actually it's January 11th, yesterday, January 10th, 2022-33, I was at the Center for American Institutions at Arizona State University. It's almost two meetings per month. That's what it averages it out over the school year. And um, the topic that was discussed uh, was, does it matter who is elected to your local school board? And we had two uh, individuals speaking who were just elected to the Scottsdale, um, is it Unified? Yeah, Scottsdale Unified School District, SUSD. A preamble to this as to why this might be of interest to anyone listening in and how it connects to living a larger life because it uh, indirectly affected me. It indirectly affected my family. It indirectly affected, my family's education, and it does affect uh, civility. And, uh, you know, uh, Live a larger Life is hoping to promote uh, the questions around what it means to be civil and what it means to um, be in your community and be effective and be a neighbor and uh, communicate with people and have discussions and uh so as a preempt just do a little bit of research um and google susd uh covid susd uh school board uh issues um google susd school board dossier um yeah and maybe if you don't google that then duck duck go it Um, So you could actually get some real information. Anyhow, to make it short, uh, during the uh, COVID times, um, you know, a lot of parents got to look over their shoulder, look at their kid's shoulder, and see what was happening in school. You know? And uh, whether we like it or not, it brought a, a tremendous amount of change and awareness. Uh, so there's a couple of things to think about there. As any person who's who's uh, trying to just land in a bucket or good or bad, well, like Thomas Sowell always says, there's trade-offs uh, always in any solution that you're looking for. In this solution would be maybe an answer to you know, was how that how COVID handled in school effective? Well, it depends upon what you want to get from it. I guess one direct line of thinking could be, no, it made a lot of kids um, troubled. Uh, and the other side of that, i.e. the trade-off, is that we got to uh, have transparency as to what's happening. Um, and I'll get to that in, you know, in due time here with regards to the solutions of, uh, electing individuals to the school board and what the hell that has to do with living a larger life. But, uh, the, what happened there, um, after you've done the pre-reading or, uh, research was of course, then, you know, uh, the school creates, or the the, the school district creates some um, some guidelines as to how this is going to work out. You know, um, you know, masking uh, kids. What does social distancing mean? What does uh, safety effectiveness mean for vaccines? Um, you know, uh, just a whole host of things that were collected and uh, thought about and, and um, that came, came to light, you know, and uh, during that initial period of time, the, you know, during that time, it became quite apparent that uh, these things kind of mattered, you know, I can remember saying on a zoom call in, I forget it was March or April, 2020. um, I'm not, I'm not sure how all the whole thing is going to turn out, but I'm certainly going to get a great indication of what really matters. And that is, that could be seen in some people's eyes as reactionary for sure. And I would, I would say that a lot of these two ladies that spoke at uh, CAI yesterday, uh, need to own that, that the, that the movement is reactionary. It doesn't mean that it's, it's uh, not a negative outcome in the end, but uh, it is reactionary. It's reactionary to the idea that uh, COVID happened, s- uh, children became of interest in regards to their education and parents got insight into that. So what do you expect to happen? You know, Especially if you have a school district or school board that was just humming along, right? This is why it's called reactionary that no, well, no one, I mean, they took a poll yesterday with hands up and it's a small number, but I can just tell you personally from 2011 Uh, when I got here till 2019 late, um, I had uh, no interest. I had no idea. um, I I had no, I I wouldn't be able to tell you anything. I I didn't even know if there was a school board. Okay. That gives you how far away. And I, it's not just for me. I was representative of a number of people. We take this uh, idea in mind in the public system that, uh, things will just be taken care of, right? Sure. There's some, uh, back and forth with like school, the, the curriculum choices that students have. And we, as parents, we took part in that, um, what school to go to, uh, you know, thank goodness, Arizona is one of the best in the country based upon that for school choice and, and, um, you know, the opportunities for that, which raises everyone's games, in my opinion, conversation for another time. Um, you know, and we, uh, we had, but we had no idea around this. So come 2020 and what happens you know we get uh, we get let's just say a majority of people who don't agree uh, with what's happening with their children for this idea of school. but the decisions to be made as to what should happen for schooling um, are in the hands of these people who are on the school board. So now the individuals on the school board, uh, have a tough job, right? Uh, they have a tough job. They have to do a lot of stuff, mainly volunteer, uh, and make some really difficult decisions. Um, while holding, uh, a political stick, uh, again, I'll, I'll include a little bit of that, how that's the downside of the system. Um, and they also need to hold uh, a moral stick. Um, and they need to hold, uh, let's call it an educational stick, you know, cause it's, we really want to grow young people in schools so they can be great uh, citizens, right? And um, regardless of public or private, okay, just think about, I mean, what, what's the purpose of the education? Um, and I see there's also trade-offs in that. I see, I could see it in different lights. So some people could say, well, you're just asking kids to sit down all day, lined up in a row, and uh, just be, um, you know, robots, just taking in information, You could see it as that, or you could see it as an opportunity for young people to grow with their peers um, and socialize so that they could learn some things along the way and then get out there and be good uh, citizens, you know? And so during that period of time, um, yeah, as I said, there was a lot of uh, uh, strife between what happened um, or the decisions that were made. And it brings us to um, uh, an election cycle in 2022, and more recently. And because of what happened, i.e. the reactionary approach, uh, there was lots of energy that was then placed in uh, replacing uh, some of the individuals that were making those decisions on the school board. And two of those individuals that uh, went for uh, office or the sort of the, the elected position for the school board were uh, Amy Carney and Corrine Werner. And if that's not correct, because I think it was, yeah, it was Corrine Werner. Yeah. Corrine Werner and Amy Kearney. Anyways, these uh, wonderful ladies spoke yesterday at CAI and talked about um, how, how it came to be, you know, what was their intentions on what was happening. And they, in my personal opinion, They had great intentions, um, that is, you know, uh, well, what do you do? What do you do if you just sit back and things are great? And all of a sudden you're like, no, no, that's not good. And you look around like these ladies did, um, and they weren't happy with the fact that people were staying silent and, uh, not having discussions and letting this stuff, uh, move over very quickly into the decisions around their children. Amy specifically gave some, uh, two really good indications of, um, actually she ha- I believe she has four or six kids. I'm not sure, but anyways, gotta give it to her. Uh, she, uh, mentioned, uh, one of her child's was a senior and played senior sports that really hit home for me, um, to think about, you know, uh, regardless of what your thoughts are for safety of uh, young people spreading COVID and killing grandparents, um, which was a lie. Um, You have to be, you have to have a large amount of empathy for that senior. I can remember myself and all the, the thoughts that were built, the relationships that were built, the confidence that was built as being a senior in high school. And to not have that, not to have that graduation, that last year, kind of the rite of passage outside of high school into quote unquote, let's call it tier two of three tiers of real life. Um, along with not playing sports. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. So she mentioned that one child, she also had another child with a disability that had a hard time with uh, virtual, um, school. And she gave a small, very small tidbit story around that. And then another younger child who, um, was really social. So um, her story was that Kareen uh, was uh, in a similar area, had kids uh, through the system and um, didn't talk as much about the effects that it had for her children, but did talk about what she was in disagreement with, with how things were handled for the school board. So it gives them, you know, hopefully I set them up as uh, you know these are two individuals who saw what was happening from 2020 onward who said okay there's an election cycle coming up where uh we want to you know have these get these seats on the school board and they did it and they won um just beside the fact regardless of what you think about electability and cash and whatever um it takes a lot of work and um, so got to give it to them to that. This is still remember on the back end of me recognizing and believing that this is just a reactionary process. It's a reaction to, you know, what happened, i.e. the sleeping, sleeping giant, uh, was, was awakened. And, uh, you had a lot of, uh, mamas who didn't like that, you know, um, I'm also going to get to how there could be a downside over correction to that too, with regards to, uh, uh, free speech, uh, issues and, uh, curriculum oppression and things like that. Uh, we will get to that, but anyways, you got to give it to these girls. And so they, they spoke and then questions were supposed to be the way that the, uh, CAI is set up is, uh, they have these meetings where there's a, just, a you know, uh, a welcome. And then a uh, small introduction as to who's going to be there. It's the speakers for 20 to 30 minutes. And then, which is, I kind of find it pretty interesting and uh, great, uh, let's call it social connector. We're always looking for those institutions where you can have a social connector with people, you know, outside of uh, um, just the usual ones. Um, and uh, so back at the table after that speaker speaks, we get a brief period to ask some questions. That's always generally corrupted <laughs> by some people who just want to ask the big heavy ones that sometimes don't pay, pay attention to the topic. But, um, this day, um, the, uh, back of the tables or all the time, sorry, back of the tables, uh, we have to take these two questions. Um, and every time you get two questions and you have to discuss amongst your table, and there's generally four tables with six to eight people per table where you have to answer the questions as a table and then someone has to report back at the end so there's four reporters that report back so the questions we had to discuss were what should voters look for when vetting school board candidates and then what can be done to have more voters cast ballots for school board candidates and um, i just had a uh i had a really you a know, I had a lot of, a lot of thoughts on uh, at our table. And I answered pretty quickly. Um, I think it was just based upon logic, but I answered pretty quickly as to what I think voters should look for when vetting school board candidates. Um, voters uh, should look for someone with time and someone with money. And that's the first two things that I thought uh, should be most important. And I probably need to give you a, a larger background as the responsibilities of the job or and some other things, but some other some other answers were interesting. Some people thought that uh, character was big. Uh, someone needs passion. Uh, someone needs, um, you know, other tables thought, believe it or not, that they should be pretty. Um, I shit you not. that's what was one of the one of the things. Uh, they need to be likable, uh, electable. so um, um, they should be they should have children in the system, you know um, and I uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just gonna maybe I'm just gonna send the question out so you could think about it what sh- what should voters look for when vetting school board candidates? Um, again, I'll go back on what I thought about time and money time. Why time? Well, there's a lot of time that's necessary for what's involved. It's not just, you don't just show up at meetings. Um, right. There's background stuff that's done pro, you know, it's, it's volunteer, you know, um, which I'll get to my next point on why you need money. Um, or, uh, wealth, let's say, and cash in bank, you know, no concerns over, uh, I don't know, uh, taking a flight to Denver because, you wanted to speak to a school board person up there about some of the systems that they have in place for judicial, uh, things or legal consequences of moving stuff through the school board, right? See, do you see why you did that? You did that because you got time and you got money, but you're just doing it because you want to improve your own school board system. Anyways, um, you need time because of what's required for it. So, uh, let's say when it was a sleeper and things just moved through, and you had a um, uh, a largely uh, largely radical left ideas moving through the system sleepily for many years. I'd say fifteen to twenty years. This is just based upon my historical context of i um, grouping it a, an entire North American governance of education, but it was moving through, and it was quiet, and there was some bleeps right when. Um, you know, there were issues around, uh, bathroom selections and, uh, uh, sex, gender ideology stuff. You heard that murmurs where people like kind of poke their head up as parents, you know, in the community, like what, yeah, this is interesting, you know, happening at my school. Um, and then COVID, as I said, just like created an onslaught of all of these things. So again, now sex, gender, ideology, race, and, you know, safety effectiveness of vaccines and the COVID socialization, et cetera, et cetera. That came like severely to the, to the forefront. Um, so you do need time. Um, and I'm not sure how someone who is working nine to five or responsible for something outside of the school board from nine to five, I'm not sure how you can make it work. Um, unless you have a, a committed time to you have a committed time to those other things um, that's outside of what you could dedicate to the school board uh, hours, and it is maybe inside of some more research I have to do on the requirements of the position. But uh, you got to have time, and then uh, secondly, because I thought about this, the if you do the research on what happened at SUSD uh, and what Amy and Karine, um, apologize, Karine, if you're if you if it's pronounced Karen, but Karen talked about Corinne talked about I see it as Corinne, Sorry, maybe it's Canadian for me. C a r i n e. Um, what they discussed, you could tell that their intentions were based upon not liking the person that was on the school board. He was because uh, they said it like this. He was a 23 year old with you know immoral values. Okay, so you could see that. That is front-ending something that is churning them, right? And so what do you think the answer or what do you think that the story that they're going to want to push when they go out there and say, this is who we should have elected, right? They're going to have a complete opposite of that. Number one, it's going to be female. And number two, it's going to be a parent. Number three, it's going to be older. So again, that's not what I'm saying recommended, but that's the reactionary thing you're going to get from that. And my point that I made at my table was that I can guarantee you that I could find, uh, I could find if I could cherry pick and it would take a bit, but I could find it over a hundred. I would guarantee you 25 year olds around the country who sit on a school board, who are, uh, uh, not married, don't have children. um, Um, but they do a damn good job of what's required for the position on the school board. So even to that point in itself, that is an argument against saying, oh, we should reduce it to these particular people. Now, I know you could throw in like, you know, well, the president can't be be 35 or Senate or governors have to be this. Well, okay. That's great. We're talking about, um, and again, I apologize I should be more clear on the requirements and the and the policies that are in place for the responsibilities of the school board uh, representative, but I really don't think I really don't think that's the case i really and i and I'm really hesitant to say things that people want to hear, which is you know character right um, and uh likability when I think of character, I think it becomes really subjective because if you're not aware, anyone could pull one over, right? And that ties in character plus politics. Um, you could you could do a lot of things online um, to make you really likable. You could also stand in front of a crowd and read the room and make you very likable. Uh, the, the point that was proven yesterday, or that was brought up, was a really good one, um, that uh, it can't only be about likability with a connection to where you sat with politics. And this is where the character politics thing comes in to question, like what, do, what, what should you look for when you're going to have a school board candidate? Um, you know, there's probably a strong argument for, but anyway, so the, the point was being is that a lot of people who voted for Reagan also voted for Clinton. Now, of course I can't give you stats on what a lot of, but, you got to ask the question why, and it generally had to do with that likability. But my point is I'm looking over that saying, yeah, but they may have had two different policies. Or they may have had two different, um, you know, action plans. They may have had, and this is to bring it down to your school board, it can't only be about liking them, right? And for sure, it can't be about attractiveness. That was kind of squashed by Don yesterday. Uh, a little bit. I'm sure it irked uh, a number of a number of people in the crowd. She and she was being honest, but I mean, I just think it's unfortunate that they're thinking about that. Um, yeah, but in in the end, and maybe maybe it's just me trying to. It's my logical self uh, for that, but uh, I do have something to say about it because my girls are inside this district, and so if I'm going to um, put a vote down. Um, in, a, in two years, uh, when I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, um, that should actually be the opener. I'm going to open every, every podcast with that, actually. Um, if I'm going to do that, then I'm, I really don't care about, uh, about uh, uh, or I shouldn't say I care as much about your political tint um, or your character. Or et cetera, I want you to do your fucking job. Um, And I don't care if you're volunteering, um, you got to do your job. Um, You got to do your job for the citizens of that community, and you got to do your job relative to what we want, which is children to grow with knowing how to think, not what to think. That's the end. That needs to be the telos of the entire project. And it, it can't be, uh, uh, what, you know, everyone in the room, well, I should say 98% of everyone in the room had a conservative tilt. And the point raised at the table by Judy was that this person should be a conservative. And I disagreed right away with that. I said, uh, right away, you don't know what, what the public perceives to be the language of conservative, right? Um, I'm small c conservative because, uh, as was discussed at the table, there's been a realignment that's been happening in political views over the past 20 years. And this realignment has created some positive things like uh, the new right or a uh, uh, social conservative, uh, fiscally conservative um group that is still not in the bucket of the RNC or the GOP. Um, so they could be left alone. It could be just an independent. They could just be out nowhere in no man's land. Um, I'm, I'm strictly in no man's land because I can't vote. Um, and so I have no say whatsoever and I'm learning, but, uh, I don't think you can have that. So, uh, again, this person has to have time on their hands. And if that time comes because they have a lot of cash, I think they're a great candidate. So let's just back up here and say it is possible in a separate universe that this person who was actually forced off the school board uh, was 23-year-old male who did some actions that were quite questionable, in my opinion, and legally would show that too. Um, but it's quite possible, if we rebound the story, it was 2019, that he could have done a fantastic job. So we would not have had, right. So he could have been, he could have been someone who, when he was given the, the go, uh, in June, you know, sorry, in March or April to say, okay, we got to shut this whole thing down. He could have resigned and said, no, I will not do that. We can't allow this to happen. Right. The studies are showing as weeks go on, that older people are severely affected more so by this connected to that are predispositions that are connected to lifestyle right and the strength of a person's immune system so if you're if you are a person who has uh you know responsibilities around taking care of those that are not that population those that are the farthest away from that population You know, he could have done that, but he didn't, right? He didn't. So my point being in a different universe where that did happen and he stood up like a lot of other people in different professions did and good on you for doing it. I hope you survived through. There's a lot of people that didn't. Anyways, he didn't. He kowtowed and he sucked from the teats because in the end, this is my personal opinion on it he had further political ambitions. So it's what it was what a, that basically ended him. He had deeper, longer ties to political ambitions. And so he was going to do, quote unquote, what he was told. Not what the parents wanted, right? Not what the parents wanted, which remember he's representing. Not what the community wanted, which remember he was representing. Do you see what I'm saying? So you can't just say, That it was due to him being 23 years old and male and being immoral in the actions that was a result in um, looking for the characteristics of someone who's not that. And that is called reactionary. Those reactionary situations create compensations. Here's the compensations that are going to occur. You heard it from the table in the room. They want a conservative candidate. There's a lot of positive things that you can have inside of that conservative candidate families or uh, fa- sorry, values that I hold dear like the strength of a family, the strength of a man and woman and his children and her children and the strength of a community of those people. So I, I understand that, but, but I I think that as an example which I'll discuss in the Dan Savage, Ezra Klein podcast one, I think, uh, actually, I know that I uphold those things as being strong, number one, because I am a man and I do have a woman as my wife and I do have children, but also um, I it makes sense to me. It's got nothing to do with the Bible. It's got nothing to do with um, uh, what... Uh, a deity has said our specific values no it i do it because it makes sense to me and it makes sense for community and it makes sense for civilization so you can't you can't push that and the reason why again why i'm hesitant to say that that person should now be in place for that for the school board candidates is that you're going to now get into uncomfortable territory of what your group wants you to uh, have control over, which is curriculum or conversations on curriculum. And I'll give you a quick example of this. This was brought up yesterday, and I knew this this was the area in which I was going to have disagreements is based upon the political tint that people should have when you're vetting for school board candidates. Um, is that the things that they brought up, you know, they said in the room, Amy and Kar- karine they said, we want to get rid of this 1619 bullshit, right? We want to, uh, see what the, you know, she said, the, the karine said it, she said, I've seen the curriculum for high school literature and it's bullshit. And it's at that point where I saw I recognized, okay, this is this is the downside of the overcorrection of the reactionary approach to having a conservative view inside of the school board. A quick solution to it before I get back to my point is you should have an American view and a constitutional view. Where all people are created equal in the pursuit of liberty and happiness. And I may, may have uh, misspoke or changed those words, but, you know, that will hold true for everything. It got, it's got nothing to do with right or left, up or down, back or forth. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, the overcorrection, in, in case you, you're not getting it, why I do have an issue with it, is that, and for good reason, remember, for good reason, you know, listen to uh, James Lindsay uh, go really deep. I'm not going to say way too deep because it's required, but deep on um, uh, SEL, uh, ESG, CRT, those three big hitters that should be on everyone's, or go read uh, Cynical Theories uh read a book on postmodernism, you know? So for good reason I understand it, right? I understand it. But 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 bring it back to this. And I, I I go personal on it. I sit back and say, yeah, but what do I want from my child and her learning? Because Hannah is now and as you may have, may know, I read along with what she's reading. Uh not because I'm looking over her shoulder. Um uh, because I want to have conversation with Hannah. Um and I want to talk to her about things. I want Hannah reading How to Be an Anti-Racist. I want Hannah reading Robin D'Angelo's Garbage. I want her reading that. I want her reading uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones and that group um, and the 1619 Project. I want them uh, reading that. And so if, if you're a parent saying, no, there's no way we can have that. Um, you are not seeing that you are you are oppressing what is real like what's reality i i listen i don't I don't give a shit what you think about it, right but it's reality so if you start taking the steps towards preventing your child from knowing how to think versus what to think see this is this is the slip that they're making that I brought up if you if you push really hard back against that like you put your stake in the ground with uh, not the separation of church and state and you jump on a conservative bandwagon and you say, this is the stake in the ground. That's not going to be a winning solution in the future. That's not going to be a winning solution. If you instead stand behind what the constitution says and what opportunities we have of our bill of rights for freedom of speech, it is up to you as a parent to have the discussions, or to put pressure on school board officials, who would have something to do with communication with teachers. I'll give you a personal example of it. My daughter's English teacher is a wonderful person because, or I'll say I'm, I'm completely judging here, but it's because she does have that. She, Hannah and I have read through uh, all the previous material. You know, we had I had spoken about another book called uh, Black Like Me, Um, uh, uh, you know, A Man's Search for Meaning. I'm gonna give you a list of them. These are ones that are off the curriculum. These are ones that just Hannah and I read. And the teacher uh, appreciates that because she, well, what is also in her curriculum, as an example, was uh, Plato's Republic, uh, the Iliad, um, and now Why the Caged Bird Sings. So And the and the list goes on of, of uh, you know, I call them, you know, uh, fantastic books. Again, we're going to get into Amy Tan's The Joy Luck Club as well. And, I mean, I want my whole point being there. Those books can be partnered up next to that other garbage, right? Like Kendi's stuff. I, I consider it garbage, but I do want my daughter reading it. And it, there has to be a debriefing after, right? Now, what, if that's not gonna happen at your school, then you need to make a decision based upon who you're going to hire for school board or what you're going to do with the teachers. So, as an example, uh, to make this just this very fine point, if your teenager is, is at the end of the discussion on Kendi's work in school, are coming home saying, uh, things, you know, the circular argument on racism, then it is up to you. You have, you have a couple of choices. It's up to you as a parent to have that discussion with them, bring facts to the table, do your research, right? So you can have a discussion with them. And then it's up to you to do something, boots on the ground, conversation, discussions with the teacher. These, and these are not violent fights. These are conversations. My whole point being is that you never know what's on the other side. Maybe that teacher Um, is like maybe the school board people have been pressured or coerced into, um, coerced into what they think is appropriate for the time, right? It's 2023, you know, uh, George Floyd protests. Oh, well, geez, we should really, uh, look into this reading. I mean, that, that honestly could be their decision, right? So maybe they need an adult that's going to speak to them eye to eye and say, Hey, um, for uh for Robin D'Angelo's book please also uh, could you put Shelby Steele's book right after that called white guilt could you also recommend some podcasts um, uh, from uh, Glenn Lowry could you also um, give a, give get them to have some conversations with an organization called fair that I'm a part of uh, foundation against intolerance and racism, you know, and guess what you're going to find with all those people. They're going to come back to a centered idea argument on the beautiful project called America. That's what they're going to come back to when everyone's in the room, they're all going to make the decisions on that. And that's the, that's the thing that will bind in my opinion. Anyways, all of it, that's what should be based upon the character of, because when you say that you're doing it and this is just short term, but you're doing it for America, uh, it means that you're doing it because you want young people to grow up knowing how to think. So they become great citizens. You do not, you do not want to tell kids what to think. And if you prevent, if you prevent the 1619 project or ideas, That could be arguable, you know, a little bit more intense. If you prevent that from happening, you are falling prey to the same trick. You're falling prey to it. Now you're, you're, you know, all I'm saying is that there could be some still good morals inside of choosing that road, but you're not going to have an open-minded child grow up and live in society. You need that child, you need to do the hard work, you need to do the reading together. You need to have conversations around the supper table and you need to keep bringing it up, right? There's some argument to be made there around their brains, their capability, etc. cetera. But, uh, and I'm sorry that was a little lengthy on curriculum, but this is, that's, that's where my line of thinking kind got, kind of got stuck with what was presented as a candidate. So maybe we shouldn't look for anything when vetting school board candidates. Maybe we should listen. So there also is an argument that could be made for uh, time and money and what you end up with, right? But my point still being is that you could get someone who has no political stance or is not part of the Republican National Party or the Democratic National Party Um, and maybe they're just, maybe they're nothing, whatever that word is, uh, independent agnostic to the, to the political agnostic, um, that is young. That does a damn good job. Maybe, how do you know that they don't have wealth, right? Maybe they only do two hours a day of, uh, program design (laughs) and, and, and they make 5,000 bucks a month, right? You don't know that. So, and I just say 5,000 because it's around, that's what it takes to have a home in uh, Scottsdale now, Uh, just to be by yourself. Yeah, it's like, it's escalating. It's getting up to the mid-60s. It's ridiculous. Anyways, um, you know, they could do a fine job, but it's got nothing to do with uh, their sex. It's got nothing to do with their politics. They have time on their hands and they have money. Money means they don't have to, you know, uh, work, nine hours a day, another job just to have all the cash available to, uh, to have the food and to have a bed so they can sleep, so they can get up and do school board things, you know, um, and those people, um, you know, have, are a big part of the community. They are now, as I said before, I didn't recognize it being important, but now it's important. That's the positive side of the reactionary effect to it. That's what I said, you know, there is some positives to having these ladies, you know, uh, come to the front and be brave enough to say, no, we have to, we have to see the insides of this. And you could tell that they were um, uh, immature, meaning immature only in in the professional sense of school board uh, professionalism. Um, I should use a different word because people always attach immature with something that uh, I think of as childish, but they were, they were uh, new. Yeah, they were new new people to the process. They could tell that they didn't know about some of the judicial process. That they had to get some coaching on the finances and budget, and et cetera. But uh, again, back to my point, you could find twenty five year olds who are magicians at budget and numbers and legalities. You could have that person, right? And and how do you know that they don't uh, they haven't sold an app? and made a a million dollars. And they're just like, you know what? I want to do something for my community and my future uh, place for my children to grow up. You know, they very well could do that. And they could do a damn good job of it. But that person has to go door to door to prove that to me. So that can happen. And people should maybe look for anything. You should listen. When you're vetting school board candidates, yeah, I, uh, yeah, so 2024, there's gonna be, um, oh, here's another reason why this overcorrection is not good. They are already, I mean, this is why they came to speak at CAI, they need to put the word on the street to get interest, of course, so that they can sway the district uh, for the values that they want to have inside the SUSD. So I hope you're, hope you're seeing what I'm saying out there. There's a number of people in the community of Scottsdale who don't, whether they care or not, or don't know or not, they don't give a shit about your political bent. They don't give a shit about it. Secondly, they also want what's best for young people to grow up in their in their society. Listen, there's a lot of people out there who can vote and they don't have children in the system, right? So how are you going to influence those people? Are you going to say, oh, vote for me. I don't want the 1619 Project in our schools. Is that what you're going to say? Can you see what's going to happen in 2024 if that's the case? Because these ladies now are out on the street. They spoke about it. They sent out... Um, uh, times when the next uh, meetings are and how you can attend. Um, and what to say, you know, so they're, they're for good reason. I mean, this is par- this is great because it's part of the democratic process, right? You get more people out and you're going to get what's coming to you. Um, but I think that it's an overcorrection. And I think what we need to have in the future is, um, maybe a little bit more insight as to who these people are for the amount of time they have on their hands. And how much money they have, and we could figure this out, folks. You could figure this out, um, as well as uh, maybe a proven track record as to what they're going to do for the job. So I, you could see how the argument could be that the ultimate individual for this is actually someone who who is not a current parent. They may have had kids in the system, but they're not a current parent of someone in the system. They are close to being retired, and they have time on their hands. Right? So this person is probably going to have money, is probably going to have time, but their intention is going to be to give back because they want to ensure that the future and the future generations grow in to live in their, in their society so it can help them out when they're older. Helping them out when they're older can look like a bunch of different things, but basically just make sure that things are running smoothly, right? Just think about that 70 year old right now who still has their cognitive capabilities, who's looking at what's happening with, um, you know, that that 70 year old is looking at the university of Michigan right this week, seeing that they paid or they have an $18 million, I think it could be incorrect on this, but an $18 million budget for DEI. $18 million for diversity, equity, and inclusion systems in a university just think about how that what that 70-year-old do you think that 70-year-old is going to most of them anyways are going to be so excited to start pumping money into just this generalized consensus of education do you really think so do you really think that's going to quote unquote get them off their seats and vote for individuals right the same can be said for their lack of voting of that older individual for people who are going to overcorrect and not shine the light on teaching kids how to think versus what to think. So you may have um, something I'll ask anyone who's listening to think about, is contemplate on that notion of, uh, you know, it's the the funny thing that we could just do in a a moment of meditation. If I had that job, what would I do? Yeah, Uh, you know, Write that stuff down. Don't share it. Don't tell anyone about it. But you need to come to a consensus as to what you think would be the best plan because inside of you writing down that plan, uh, like I did and I'm practicing it here with you, um, you're going to come to some uh, challenges with what you believe to be true and what you believe to be good principles uh, for a civilized society. Some may have also listened to... uh, this and never knew that school boards were a thing they never knew. Or maybe someone is listening in and thought that the whole school board debacle was largely due to this one person. Some may be listening in thinking that uh, social isolation and vaccinating everyone was a positive. Some may be listening in, um, that, uh, wanted to run for the Hills. You know, some may be listening in that uh, want to homeschool their children for the future. You know, some may not be in Arizona and understand how wonderful education system is here in Arizona. Some may not have that choice. I just spoke to a parent this weekend. Um, Our conversations were on immigration um, and my story of immigrating here, uh, the southern border immigration conversation. But inside of that, he talked about uh, his move from New Mexico to Arizona uh, for those particular reasons of uh, what he wanted for education and what Arizona had for opportunities for education for his child. He moved his family for that. My whole point being is that there may be some listening in who may not think that they have um, any energy to give or anything to do, and they're kind of stuck. No, you have to formulate your own plan as to what you think you would do for this one of this one of these questions. What should voters look for? when vetting school board candidates and it'll raise a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of things um yeah so thanks for listening in i wanted to bring it up as a uh something that uh uh you know is is you know i call it like off the it's off the books for a ccp um and but if if fitness is going to have a part to play in physical expression, and resilience, and let's call it the 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 move the movement philosopher or the philosophizing mover. You know, if this is going to be a part of uh, what we want to have in society, then these conversations um, are important uh, because they do connect to that and if you're not connecting the dots, I'll be very brief on it, um, how do you think policy is created for what your kid does for physical expression? How do you think policy is created as to what comes into the schools for lunchtime options? How do you think policy is created for what, um, you know, how it's handled in the class when uh, your child is uh, is threatened because they they mentioned that, Obesity could be unhealthy for people, right? So you don't think that that's going to happen? That's going to happen. And so this is why the conversation on conversations, the conversation on debate, the idea on particular tough topics like this do fall inside of the context of living a larger life. And that is under the idea that we want people, we want individuals to uh, be civil, to... uh, make good decisions in what they choose for their feeling and for moving every day and learning. And, uh, I guess the end of it, the end of it would be that, uh, we want to focus on that helping kids learn how to think, not what to think. Um, in closing, cause it's on my wall. Um, I'll leave you with a, uh, a um, quote from Frederick Douglass. If there is no struggle, there is no progress.